to make up. <laughs> welcome. welcome. Welcome to a brand new year of Welcome, welcome. Welcome to Make Out With Him, a crushes, dating, friendship and kissing podcast hosted by love amateurs Lex Croucher and Rosianna Hoss-Rojas. We are here to give you bad advice whether you want to make out with him, her, them, everybody or nobody. You can send us your questions to makeoutwithhim at gmail.com or use hashtag makeoutwithhim on Twitter or tweet at makeoutwithhim. If possible, please include your pronouns and the name you'd like us to call you. If not, anonymous. If you'd like to help us with running costs, you can support our Patreon at patreon.com slash makeoutwithhim. Why are you laughing? (laughs) (laughs) Because we were both doing these little dances as we were talking because it's like a rhythm that we do all the time. So I could like, you know, I could recite that entire thing in my sleep. And also I just know the rhythm. So I just start like dancing to it. Um, So Love Island. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So Lex watched all of season one. In about a week. I think it's honestly a few weeks ago on the, on this very podcast that I asked you to explain Love Island for people who hadn't seen it, including me. Indeed. And then I got sucked in because I saw there was a new season coming out and I wanted to watch it along with everybody because it's just so specifically fun to watch a live thing with everyone on the internet who's watching something. And I never it's do a that. community activity. It's replaced church. Yeah, it has replaced church. <laughs> um, and... It's just, I don't know, it's just really fun. And I never watch TV because I don't have one and why would I? But this is a thing where I'm actually going to try and watch it live sometimes so that I can tweet along, you know. Be part of the fun. Be part of the conversation. Not just Eurovision. Exactly, exactly. Tap into the public consciousness. And what did you think of Love Island? I mean, obviously, it's incredibly misogynistic. Very, like, heteronormative and just bad in many ways but it it was very enjoyable (laughs) that's how i feel actually i have you watched any of the new series yet no i haven't okay well i won't spoil you but i just feel watch it tonight excited yeah i mean to be fair obviously you can't tell much from because there's only been two episodes so far you can't tell much about people from two episodes but i already feel like the people in it now they're less they're they're less like personalities yeah. Which you'd think actually people would get more and more like a caricature of a person, but it feels like they all look quite similar and they all just don't really have dislike. I mean, maybe we'll find out, but they don't seem to have distinct personalities. I don't know. They don't seem like very real people. They all look like Instagram models. And I feel like even though everyone was very conventionally attractive in like the first season, which is the only other season I've watched, they just felt like more real like actual people and now they just feel like designer instagram people is it like made in chelsea on the island kind of but like it's not posh it's just fake yeah it's just really fake i'm just saying things like fake which is a funny thing that they would say on love island like you just seem really fake like based on nothing so sly yeah it's so (laughs) i mean the language is incredible i love it it's so good it's like shakespeare it is like shakespeare i was talking about um one of my favorite bits which is this is a spoiler for season one of love island from 2015 so you know skip ahead a bit if you don't want to hear it but when john and hannah are sitting by the pool and like when we literally had this conversation yesterday but now i'm redoing it for the sake of the podcast when they're sitting by the pool and he's like you found a diamond and i found a morganite and then he go he realizes morganite isn't the right word and he goes what's superman afraid of and she's like i don't know and then he goes, Oi, what's Superman afraid of? And someone on the other side of the pool goes, Kryptonite. And he turns around immediately and goes, Kryptonite. It's just, I found my Kryptonite. Just in step. It's so good. I honestly, like, I want to get that whole thing, like, created as, like, a panel comic and put on my wall. Put on your body, I think. On my body. I want to get Forever. tattooed. I want to get 
it tattooed on my body the entire transcript. Whenever I watch, I spend the whole time thinking about what it must look like with the cameras in there and the producers in there running around and yeah. fucking shit up. Yeah. But also, like, so lots of the cameras are fixed point cameras. Yeah. But then how many camera people are actually in there? That's what I'm interested there, in. I think there were at least a couple. And there's definitely multiple producers. Yeah. Going around. Like in Unreal. So weird. Yeah. I just, like, I, the amount... In, in the first season of Love Island, the amount of sex on TV... I'm going to tell this joke on Twitter at some point, so just pretend you haven't heard it on the podcast. This is a sneak preview. Um, sex on Love Island is like sex on The Sims, because you just have the covers and, like, limbs flailing <laughs> out, like, either side, and, like, sparks shooting up, and that's basically yeah. what sex is like on Love Island. Yeah. That was a test. It didn't test very well with Rosie Anna. She didn't laugh very much, so maybe it won't come on Twitter. Also, my voice is, my accent's changed slightly since watching Love Island. Yes, no, mine did for like a week and then I had to really rein it in. Yeah, but I actually don't know what it is because sometimes it gets more Scouse and sometimes it's like other things. It's, it's like the Scouse Essex, Essex or Scouse, yeah. yeah Scouse Essex combination. I thought you were going to tell Jake about removing the ladder from the pool and you didn't and I was kind of disappointed. It's like, it's like The Sims. I want to drown them all for fun. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There's the joke. Respond. <laughs> oh, man. And um, what else is going on with your life? Is that it? Love Island? I'm going to Disneyland. Oh, yeah. In really a couple soon. Of days. Yeah. And... I'm going to Birmingham. <laughs> oh, the Disneyland of the UK. Birmingham. Disneyland of the Midlands. I love Birmingham, actually. I really wanted to go to Birmingham Uni, but didn't. It's <laughs> a good story. Great. Well, I really um, wanted to go because they their their SU or something was called the Guild. Oh yeah. And I thought that sounded really like um fantasy, like. And that's know, why you wanted to go to Birmingham. Genuinely, why I wanted to go to Birmingham. I mean, it seemed like a really nice place. What are you gonna do at Disneyland? What's your what's on your Disneyland hit list? Okay, Ratatouille ride first. You've been on the Ratatouille ride. I've never been to Disneyland Paris. Oh my god, we have to go. Yeah. So the Ratatouille. Oh, we should stay in like one of the really cool hotels. <gasps> oh my god, we have to do this. Okay. Does want to sponsor us? Yeah. <laughs> Can you uh, please just do a single payment donation to our Patreon of like a thousand pounds? Whoever's listening, no. That's not appropriate. Never mind. I don't like it. <laughs> I love it. I don't like it. Although the thing is, when people give giant donations to, to your Patreon, it's usually creepy men who like want to feel like they have control of you in some way. And that's the thing I've noticed with female creators that we yeah. like don't talk about. And it's like often people will just make a huge donation. I, like I really don't want to step in hot water here, but I especially noticed it's when people have like live portions or portions really? where you can like publicly like oh. see pub- I think it's hard because it's also obviously people who are doing it genuinely genuinely but, but it always often, seems to be men but there are often times with female creators when if it means increased access or increased attention yeah then that is a big thing yeah and I don't know how to navigate that and as you say we don't talk about it we don't we don't ever talk about it because it's this weird thing where it's like like obviously you would want the money because you want your content to be supported. And there's no like pretense, like you've said exactly what this kind of contract of money and Patreon is yeah. and exactly what they're gonna get out of it. But there's this weird, just unspoken thing of like, it makes you feel like that particular person is paying your wages. So you are, yeah, you're in some way like doing stuff for them. I don't know, it feels like a weird power thing. How did I get here? Oh, Disneyland. Can some wealthy, creepy benefactor <laughs> please pay for us to go to Disneyland? Thank you. Um, the point of the story was that I'm going to go on the Ratatouille ride first, I think. <laughs> right. Because it has the longest queues and you just got to get it out of the way in the morning. But it's so great. It's like 3D and you're the size of a rat. Excellent. Then 
just like go blitz through all the um, outdoor rides yeah. because there's meant to be thunderstorms starting at 3 p.m. and they will close all the outdoor rides. <laughs> We've also booked lunch at 12, so I don't know what I'm going to do. It's a nightmare. Sandwich? No, never. Do they have fast track? They have fast track on some things, yeah. I mean. So you get fast track for the outdoors first thing when you get but there. But what if the fast track's not till evening? And then the... That's a good point. I just um, booked uh, Disneyland tickets for uh, during the VidCon trip because um, John's publicist and I have an evening before everyone else arrives. And Obviously go to Disneyland. Through VidCon, they have um, evening tickets, twilight tickets, that you oh. can go after 4pm. And so it just works perfectly with my how, flight. How late is it open? Like midnight? I think around then, yeah. Perfect. I don't know. It's like a solid amount of time. I swear to God, the cat just knocked on the door. No, that was upstairs. It was the cat. <laughs> Sorry. In my it reality, was the cat. it was the cat. Sorry. Um, what, what's up? What else is up with you? With me? Yeah. Um, I've nearly finished moving flat. Yeah, I know. We're sitting in <laughs> it. I like how you're telling me this. Like, I don't know. Just be honest. You're um, telling the people. Wow. It wasn't for you. Okay. Um, with me, what else is up with me? I don't know. Life is fine. Well, yeah. Oh, I went to Salem. I forgot. I've been to America. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just such a high flyer that you're literally uh, like, what's up with me? Absolutely nothing. Just moving. Yeah, That's no. It. I went to, um, well, I went to Boston. I had a wedding in Maine. So I went to Boston. I did all sorts of Boston stuff. Like, you know, I went to Harvard. Well, Cambridge. I went to Harvard and pretended I was in, in Harvard. Um, and went to a bunch of bookshops and spent too much money on books. And then I uh, did some work from the... Um, library in Boston which is very nice and then my friends from work came through picked me up and drove us up to Maine for this wedding which was amazing I was at the summer camp it was amazing even though I forgot about it until like five seconds ago <laughs> um, it was a boys summer camp they hired out the entire thing on Lake Sebago it's mm. a beautiful massive lake um, wedding was beautiful I swam in the water not during the wedding before the wedding <laughs> I, um, I was like fuck this shit and I jumped shit, into a no. lake it was like 25 degrees it was beautiful the swimming was lovely mm. um, wedding was great saw people dance really hard and then on the Sunday um, I was I was like dropped off back in Boston at like 8am and I was kind of wondering what I was going to do was it because I had my luggage but then I decided to go to the Hilton at the airport give my bag in at the luggage desk as though I'd been a guest and be like, oh, can you hold my luggage for me? And Which then, always works, by the way. It's very good to Yeah, it's always very works. Helpful. Um, especially if you walk in like without any fear in your heart, just go for yeah. it. Although actually I once walked into a hotel in Hollywood and just went, we weren't guests here, but can we store our luggage? They were like, yeah, it's like $10. So I just gave them $10. It's good. Yeah, continue. Anyway, so I did that. And then I went up to Salem where the witches are from and people told me when I said that I wanted to go to Salem people were like oh it's so touristy and it is a bit touristy but it's kind of glorious at the same time and also extremely devastating because Mm, yeah it's a combination of like somewhat tacky shops somewhat wonderful shops that are very like you know proper town proper witches town proud shops um, you've also got The House of the Seven Gables, which featured in um, Nathaniel Hawthorne's novel, who wrote this stuff, Scarlet Letter. Um, but the most, um, I don't know, the most kind of heartbreaking thing for me was walking around the Salem Witch Trials Memorial. They have a little memorial garden, and every single bench is the name of someone who was hanged or, in Giles Corey's case, pressed to death um, because of the Salem Witch Trials. And The Crucible is one of my favourite plays, but mm. I'd actually, I'd forgotten on some level, like, how many characters in that 
were, were real. real. Yeah. And so when I was, there was like some moment of like, I knew that John Proctor was real, but like when I was standing from the little memorial yeah. to John Proctor, I was kind of like, but you're also this character. Yeah, because almost everybody in like secondary school in the UK does, well, in my experience, loads of people have done it, have done like the Crucible in drama or yeah. whatever. Like, I was Abigail. Yeah, see, I was um, John Proctor's wife. Um, Goody Proctor. Yeah, I was Goody Proctor. <laughs> Elizabeth. Elizabeth Proctor. Yeah, that's yeah. who I was. And uh, and my friend Jenny was John Proctor, and we had a romantic moment. And we can still do some of the lines from it, yeah. like, just from memory, because we spent so long memorising them when we were 16. So the idea that those are real people is so bizarre to me. Yeah. And it was really sad. Yeah. But it was... Um, but then I also went to, like, the Salem Witch Trial Museum, which they have, you know, like, in a... There's, like, that... Is there, like, a Civil War or something museum in Gilmore Girls that's in Stars Hollow that they open in that house? Yeah, and it's got, like, just random Statues stuff. Statues with voices around it. Yeah. They had that. That's, like, the Stars Hollow Museum, I think, though, isn't it? That's okay. just, like... Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. The founding of Stars Hollow. Yeah. Yeah, it was like that. And I've never been to a museum like that, where they have just, like, all these statues and then it kind of talks you around the room with all these different voices. And they that have... must be, like, a yeah, like an American it's thing. It's very, very strange. I think I'd be genuinely terrified of that. Oh, it's creepy, especially because they have the devil. The um, devil's there. The devil's there. This is a historical retelling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. America. Yeah. Um, and also you brought me back a potion. Oh, I did. A potion, a lotion, and a crystal. Three a potion, a lotion, and a crystal emotion. Yes, and it was great. They're going to solve all my period pain woes. I went to the most. Magic. It was from House Witch, which is a very, like, I keep calling it a hipster witch shop, and it really is, and I had so much fun hipster there. Hipster witch shop I got a new uh, set of tarot cards that nice. are um, called Our Tarot, and they're all women throughout history, so you have, like, nice. Anne Boleyn is on them. <laughs> um, Ada Lovelace was the first card I picked. Nice. felt very appropriate. It was fun. It was good. It was a good trip, even though I couldn't remember it. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, off to Stratford-on-Avon on Friday which will be really fun. And then see my friend in Birmingham on the weekend. Woo! And that's it. Should Living we some questions? <laughs> yeah, how long have we been talking for? 500 years. Our first question comes from A, who says, Dear Lexa Rosiana, my name is A, long-time listener, first-time emailer. <laughs> Very good. Very good. I, in brackets, a male, recently asked a close female friend to be more than friends, and she said she only views me as a friend. I can handle the rejection and being mostly a pessimist, I already expected embraced for it. What I can't bear is that I feel our dynamics shifted significantly after that whole thing. I can understand that if she wants to keep her distance for a while, I'll respect her answer and will never initiate or talk about this again. Has this ever happened to you? Being asked by a close friend to be something more and rejecting them. If it ever happens to you, do you start questioning every single thing that person does to you is probably a ploy and not being sincere? And most importantly, is there anything I can do to repair or salvage this friendship? Thanks, A. First of all, how does it feel being the villain in Pretty Little Liars? Second of all, I would say that a lot of the time, someone in that situation distances themselves from you for your benefit. Um, maybe because they themselves feel confused or don't exactly know how to behave, but also sometimes because... Um, people have first-hand experience of, of how hard it can be to get over someone or how hard it can be to navigate those feelings. So I feel like in those situations, um, I would probably first distance myself a bit from that other person um, in order to give them a bit of a space. Mm. Because I think it's really, really difficult to get over someone if they're in your immediate life in the same way, if their closeness is there. Um, but it can be also hard if, if you haven't had like an open 
um, conversation about it. I think that, yes, your dynamics will probably have shifted. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean permanently, but I think you have to accept that something has changed. And I think that's the nature of um, talking about how you feel. Like, it, there is a risk there, but it's not a often. <laughs> it's, it's not like a catastrophic risk. It's not like everything will go up in flames and she will never talk to you again. And um, I don't know that there's like a, a level of doom to it but something has shifted and the thing that I think is most likely is that at some point whenever it feels like enough time has passed and that might be in a week and it might be in several months um might even be in a year and like that's not the nicest thing to hear but sometimes it takes time um I think that you'll find like a new way of being friends I don't know necessarily that you'll go back to the old way um but I think that the new way might be even more what you both need um, and it doesn't mean that it's more or less distant. It, it, but it also might change things permanently. I don't know. <laughs> like, a I'm whole be... lot of like really reassuring stuff followed by, but she might just be fucked. Not fucked. Just, you know, it's hard. I like see both sides to it. You want your friend back. Yeah. And then at the same time, you also are on the other side of it. And you're like, whoa, this is not how I thought of you. And had, has there been some level of that this entire time? Can I trust you? Yeah. I think it's... um. I haven't had this happen to me a lot in kind of either way round, but I do know people who've like had to reject friends multiple times. And the thing that's always been the problem is like, after that, you do kind of second guess their motivations for wanting to hang out with you and talk to you and all that kind of stuff, just because there's no clear communication. And I feel like if you have a conversation where you say like, I fully respect your wishes and decision and I'm not going to pursue this at all. and would like to be friends with you again if that's okay like I think that is a good conversation to have and a good thing to put out there that you you genuinely are just like the door is closed on this I am not going to be like pursuing you in any way like from this point onwards everything we do is as friends just like making that really clear and it, it might not be that you can do that straight away and you might have to say like for now I need a bit of time but then I would love us to yeah hang out as mates and nothing more yeah I think you do have to accept that she also might need a bit of time though. Yeah, that's true. Um, because I think it feels a bit like, sometimes in those situations you feel a bit like, well, I'm the one who had all the feelings and you're the one who rejected me. Yeah. Like, why do you need time? And it's because like the the world has like, gone a little different. The world has turned a little slightly different colour. The world has shifted. Talk to her. Good luck. Good luck. Our second question comes from Dee, who says, Hi, Rosanna and Lex. Essentially, I have a crush on a guy friend who is an ex-flatmate and current university course mate. We're close in that we spend time outside the course together, chat a lot, and used to share a flat with others. Recently, I've developed the most massive crush on him almost overnight. It's lasted about three months, so I know it's not one of those temporary things, but I keep fucking up my interactions with him and pushing myself away further from asking him out. Whenever we chat, I stupidly end up mentioning other guys at work that are cute. Am I doing this so I seem attractive? I can't help myself. And we've talked at length about how neither of us knows anyone at uni that they would want to date. I obviously lied at this part. <laughs> He's also been spending less time with me and more with another girlfriend of ours who he admitted to me recently that he has a crush on, but for various reasons, she's not into him. Admittedly, it's all a horrible mess because now I have a date with one of the cute work guys in a few weeks just for fun, really. And I told my crush about it. Again, am I trying to make him jealous or just an idiot? I'm scared that I've made myself seem unavailable and definitely uninterested in him. So I don't know how to ask him out without it being very confusing for him and making our friendship weird. Please help. Sorry it's so long. You can cut it for brevity. Thanks. Yours, D. 
I like how you cut that last line for brevity, as you were saying, cut it for brevity. Uh-oh, love triangle alert. You're in a love triangle. <laughs> no, wait, it's a love. Wait. It's never a it's love. It's a love line. It's a love. It is a love line. It's a love conga line. <laughs> the saddest love conga line. Someone at the front is just like reaching out their arms and oh. no one's there. But someone will join. It's a human centipede. Oh, for God's sake. I've gone so long without thinking about the human centipede. The human centipede. The real one. Oh my God. Every time I think about it, I feel physically ill. I don't watch horror films ever, but what I've lately taken to doing is reading the Wikipedia pages for horror films. <laughs> and I think that gives me the same like thrill that other people get from watching horror films. But like in a controlled... Exactly. Yeah. And like if I see a new horror film that's coming out that's meant to be terrifying, I get really annoyed if it's like not out yet so it's not got a plot description on Wikipedia because I'm like, well, how am I supposed to consume this? Did you read the description of The Quiet Place? Uh, yeah. Mm, no. I... Oh, maybe I did. I feel like I read it when it was too early and it wasn't like fully fleshed out and now I need to just reread. Let's go back. I need to read the whole description. It's a great film. It's literally just how I consume anything scary. Like I, yeah, that, and that's that's enough. And I often go away from that like, oh, why did I do that? I terrified myself. <laughs> why did I read that Wikipedia page? Exactly. I can't stop thinking about it. You've painted yourself into a real corner here. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have done many times before as well because yeah, you definitely, you like... You talk about other people being cute to kind of throw them off the scent and see if they react because you want them to kind of flinch a bit when you say that someone else is cute. But this is like game playing. You're playing games. <laughs> don't play no games. Um, and uh, yeah, and like talking about how you don't want to date anyone at uni again. It's like a weird thing where if they said it first, then you would say it too to be like, yeah, 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 I'm not interested. But if you said it first, it's because you're again trying to see if they'll react and be like, oh, I know someone that I might want to date and, like, look at you with sad puppy eyes. But, like, you just... This is a communication problem. Yeah. And you just got to communicate. And it might seem like it comes out from nowhere, but, like, either either talk to them or let it go. Those are your two options. I think talk to them. I think that, yes, okay, you were mentioning other people and crushes because you wanted them to say polo to your Marco. Um, <laughs> but I think that there is at least something to the fact that you have spoken about crushes with this person before. Like it's not brand new territory. You can like, you know, sidle on in, bring back an old conversation, just like raise this topic again. <laughs> Remember um, when I said I didn't <laughs> fancy anyone? Just kidding. I fancy you. It's perfect. Yeah. Bottle it. Actually, just play like saying that. Yeah. In that just weird voice. Like slide it. down. Yeah. Bring it out. And then play the songs to Bone 2 um, playlist. It's available on our Patreon. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's, it is tricky. It is a mess. But like, at the same time, oh my goodness, I just feel like uni relationships are very much like this. Yeah. Because it's such an insular situation and people know each other and like each other and have crushes on each other and you're in the courses with people and you're going out with people and there's just a lot of people around. And it's such just... a magical time. <laughs> it was magical. It was alright. I mean, loads of parts of uni I didn't like. Mostly the part where I had to go to university. Didn't enjoy the actual university bit. I think that was a bit I liked. The course was bad. It was all bad. But... Like, just being around... You have to make the most of being around people your own age. Yeah. Because you... Never again, unless you go into a grad job where everyone's the same age as you, never again will you be surrounded by people who are, like, not sure what they want to do with their lives yet and, like, young and still wanting to, like, go out and have fun and do all this stuff in this really concentrated space. 
That's all sex stuff, by the way. Yeah, all sex stuff. In a concentrated space. In a concentrated space. But like, I'm serious. Make the most of it. And making the most of it might involve going on a date with this cute guy that you were talking about and like seeing where that goes just because you have a crush on one guy doesn't mean you can't have a crush on multiples also why is the current the date with the cute work guys in a few weeks like how efficient are you at forward planning yeah that's my question yeah how busy are you like i need more information about this yeah um <laughs> just for research just be like i want to go on a date with you but give me like a buffer time of three weeks to decide whether or not I really want Fill to go. Fill out this doodle. Yeah, exactly. Can What's you do your a doodle poll to see if um, you can make it? Yeah, I think just, you know, tell your crush. It doesn't matter whether or not you have a date with one of the cute work guys. Um, you're not married to the cute work guy. Go for it. Uni. <laughs> Spread your stuff around. Yeah. I think, no, you're so right though, because I think that on some level I did, I did expect that the rest of time after uni would be like that that I would be surrounded by other people my age mm. lots of really hot posh single boys um, it's just not like that <laughs> no you have to go hang out in student towns to find that again and I don't want to do that because I'm 26 this is a problem like any, I've been in a lot of student towns recently and you're like everyone's too young I need postgrads where are all my master's students at you know and they've got to be doing a long they've got to be older got to be PhD got to be old They've got to have a PhD. I, I, I don't know. Just like, just talk, talk, just talk, talk. <laughs> this podcast comes talk, to talk. you. Talk, talk. Brought to you by Talk, Talk. Is Talk, Talk still a thing? I don't know. Mm. Come on. Come on now. You have to just have a conversation because this is just nonsense games. Our next question comes from Pansy Parkinson. Hi, Pansy. Uh, it says, Dear Lex and Rosie Allen, my boyfriend and I have been together for six months now. He's a tall, handsome guy, but has some flamboyant qualities. He likes glitter a lot and wears tight sequined clothes on nights out. I'm so proud of how confident he is in his own skin and love how much he enjoys dressing up, but the sequin outfits are a massive turnoff for me. We've talked about it. He understands and says we don't need to love everything about one another, but I still feel guilty because I think he deserves to be with someone that supports and encourages every part of him. I also feel like I'm playing into some patriarchal cis macho man bullshit, which I'm consciously opposed to, but I don't think I can help what I'm attracted to. Any advice? P and P's Pansy Parkinson. Um, I think that uh, he is right in that you don't have to love every single thing about each other, but you do have to accept these things. Um, like if if this is something that seems important to him, which it does, because if he's really into glitter and he loves to wear sequins, then that is something that is bringing him a lot of joy. I think that if you are attracted to him but like not attracted to the sequined outfits, then I think that you, it's a very small problem. Like that sounds really mean, but it does feel like a small problem because if gen, if generally you have a great time with him and like he ticks a lot of other boxes for you, then this one thing, I think like, I'm not saying you'll grow to like it. You might always hate it, but it's just a thing that I think you have to accept as part of him, the person who you really like. And I, I can't really put myself in your shoes because if my boyfriend wanted to wear sequin outfits, I would just be over the moon. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be like, that's really hot, but I'd be like, I guess I think it is kind of hot when people are just themselves. Yeah. I really enjoy when people, and I especially enjoy when, yeah, I guess it's like when men, like cis men who've been taught a certain way of being, I do find it attractive when they're like, nah. This is because I always think about how like, I think it's like really great when guys wear makeup. Yeah. And I just find that very attractive. I don't know why, oh, yeah. but like... I love it. Yeah, I'm like, mm, break traditional gender norms. I mean, I, I know this doesn't help you because you feel kind of the opposite way, which isn't your fault. Like, it's a social conditioning thing. Um, 
But yeah. Poison mascara. Poison I like mean, glitter. Yeah, oh. exactly. Oh, anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, yeah, this isn't helping you though. Um, I think it is also important to recognise that like, you're proud of how much how confident he is. You love how much he enjoys dressing up. Like These are your words from the email. Um, and so... I feel like even as he's framing, like, you don't need to love anything about one another. You do love these things about him. You just don't... You're not attracted to him in these outfits. You don't want to burn him when he's wearing Um, sequins. Yeah, and so I feel like the guilt maybe comes from, like, a blurring of you feeling like, oh, it means I'm not... Like, I don't love him. And, like, that's very clearly not the case from the tone of your email and the things that you've said in it. Um, mm. So I think that the guilt, yeah, okay, I kind of understand why the guilt is there, but I don't think it's like justified. If yeah. that's fair, I think you have to be a little kinder to yourself and more compassionate to yourself, because also like you're not. I really don't think you're ever going to find every single thing about someone one hundred percent attractive at all times, mm-hmm. um, unless that person's Brenda Flowers, in which case. Oh boy. I think you're talking yourself down when you say that he deserves to be someone that supports and encourages every part of him. Yeah, I agree. Like, if you're saying you love these things about him, and like, you love that he feels confident and stuff, then that sounds pretty supportive to me. It's not not supportive to say, like, hey, I'd rather you took that off before we we got into bed. I don't know why I'm obsessed with the idea that he's like getting into bed still wearing this glitter suit. Just, just, just save your lustful thoughts for when he's not wearing sequins. Our next question comes from Anonymous, who says, Hi Lex and Rosianna, Pride Month is here, so it's the time of year that questions around my sexuality get a little louder in my head. I'm a cis female in her early 20s who has been in a relationship with a cis male for a few years. I love, love, love him, of course, ew, but true. But he is a very good boy who I know would be pro-marriage sometime in the future. However, and every time I think about this, I think it's a silly thing to worry about, but it keeps resurfacing. He's my first proper boyfriend, and part of me is worried about being with just one person for the foreseeable future, slash marrying my first boyfriend, slash never having properly explored my sexuality. I've kissed girls before, but only when drunk, and would consider, my, uh, and would consider myself a one or two on the Kinsey scale. Am I getting FOMO, or is the bi part of my brain egging me on to explore and embrace that part of my identity? My boyfriend is lovely and I think he's the bee's knees, but I do sometimes wish I'd gone out with other people before him or gotten those experiences out of the way before I met him. Maybe I'm just worried about having to confront the idea that I've met someone who liked me as I am a lot earlier than expected, i.e. before I've succeeded in liking myself as I am. Thanks for any insights you may have. I think that... So I wanted to include this question because I feel like a lot of people... um, end up in similar situations at least from friends experiences um yeah quite a lot of my friends have been in long-term relationships um and then have now with the changing conversation around uh, sexuality and how uh, much more open that conversation is which is wonderful and how many incredible bisexual and gay advocates there are like just on every level of the spectrum um i feel, feel more comfortable expressing all these parts of themselves and at the same time also have this real deep-held fear that they're, like, missing out some part of who they are, and even just kind of knowing either way, like, whether or not that's part of their identity. I think the truth is you're never going to have a definitive answer about whether or not it's, like, I don't know, whether or not you're doing the right thing, going out with your boyfriend forever and maybe marrying him or not. Like, I think you're looking for an element of certainty that doesn't necessarily exist but what you can do and I know this is like the thing that we talk about over and over again but you can do is talk to him about this um 
at least on some level, or talk to someone about this, at least on some level, who's in your personal life, because if you feel comfortable to you and you feel like it's safe, I feel like that will really help just like make it feel a bit more real. Whereas I think sometimes when it's all in your head like this and you're worrying, you kind of build up and even the way that you kind of talk about all of these questions that are very like real concerns, you're, you're kind of putting yourself into like a bit of a panic, but also just not really sure what you feel. And I think that the truth is like, there isn't one single thing that you feel, you feel many different things. It's not that one of them is right or wrong necessarily. But the, I do, yeah, there are friends who've had completely different um, responses. There's some people just like choosing to stay in their relationships, but also having those conversations with, within those relationships. Um, other people who've even gone in for a short period into open relationships um, with people who don't identify as the same um, gender as their partner so that they can explore a little bit and that came from you know that's not like an instant like tomorrow we'll decide to do this thing that was part of like an ongoing conversation um and depending on your comfort level and their comfort level obviously that applies to you but like that I think has been something that's been really clarifying for some of my friends um and and then also just taking time and like I have a friend who said that she had to take time because she felt like if it would all work out, it would all work out, but she kind of felt like she just needed to know and it felt like a really core puzzle piece in who she was. So she like took a break um, from her relationship and like had a very honest conversation again, which again is like easier said than done, obviously, especially when something is so bound up in like fear and concern and self-doubt and like not knowing, um, not feeling like you know who you are. Um, but then that turned out to be the right decision for her so as I say like there's no one path here but I think that like you're not alone and I also don't think it's like some I feel like you're kind of dismissing yourself when you say am I just getting FOMO yeah and I don't think there's like a like as you're saying like yeah there's no one answer and there's no right or wrong like you have to just decide what the priority is to you right now because if you really I'm really into this relationship and like obviously like as you were saying like you could find ways to um like be open or whatever but if your priority right now and it doesn't obviously it wouldn't necessarily be forever like if your priority right now is the relationship then that's fine but if your priority is yeah exploring this part of yourself then that's also fine so it's not yeah there's no there's no right or wrong here you gotta follow your heart you, this, life is hard because there are so many things. I feel like when you're younger, you have these decisions to make, things like which university you want to go to and stuff like that. But the decisions, even though they are life-changing, they don't feel that permanent because you're young and you don't really have a sense of like life and permanence and all that kind of stuff. And then as you get older, when you actually have to make these decisions that could split, it feels like you're, yeah, like splitting your life into two options to take. And it suddenly just feels like absolutely terrifying that you could go down just a completely different path to the one you expected. But it's not, I mean, life's not really like that. Like, it's not that you have two paths and you go down one path or the other. It's like you branch off and you like go on detours and it doesn't necessarily mean that you like choose one way and that's it and you stick with that forever. Like there are opportunities to change things always. Like we can always make changes in our lives. We can always change our minds and make different decisions. Yeah, life's life's weird. That's my take. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> um, so we have a question from the internet. It's from our good old friend Yahoo Answers, where all my favourite ones come from. Um, that says, 
When a guy calls you amazing and says that he wants to get super drunk with you, full stop, question mark. I feel like you've done the, I know that it's a full stop, but I feel like the intonation has to be like still a question. So it's like, when a guy calls you amazing and says that he wants to get super drunk with you. That is, yeah, I feel like that is the right intonation. I just, I'm just the full stop is just right there. It's right there. It's right there. Um, <laughs> I love the revised this. First of all, if you're drunk, you're more likely to agree to sex. And then someone mm. says, he wants to smash. <laughs> And then someone else said, it's an ideal to get you, way to get you to have sex. Boozers are losers. He wants to take advantage of you. What kind of dumbass question is this? It's common sense. He's a guy, so that should be your first clue. Wow, people like, are not supportive. I really like the one that just says, hook up. Mm. By the way, can I just say, they're like, people are like, well, he just wants to get you super wasted so you have no control and you want to have sex with him. And I'm like, do you, do you mean rape? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Like, you want, he wants to get you so drunk that he can take advantage of you because you're drunk. Mm. I also, I don't know, am I being naive here? Like, it doesn't necessarily mean that he wants to have sex with you. Oh yeah, no, I mean, it doesn't. Okay. Like, imagine if like, you know, you are at a conference for puzzle manufacturers Mm. because you work at the puzzle factory. Fuck yeah, send me those puzzles. my god at the puzzle factory they must have to make the puzzle no wait they start with the full picture then they break it apart <laughs> now i understand puzzles they don't have to <laughs> they don't um, have to form what the puzzle do we have to do to get free puzzles i don't know is my question i don't know <laughs> I who do i do have you... to fuck to get a free puzzle <laughs> podcast title um oh my gosh all right <laughs> um okay so you're at the puzzle conference which is called puzzcon oh and uh, you are—you give a great presentation about symmetry in puzzle art. And afterwards, uh, an esteemed, respected uh, person from a rival puzzle factory comes over and says, that presentation, I mean, you were amazing. And I would love to buy you a drink later. Like, let's go get some whiskey. And what that means is that he's trying to steal the secrets of your puzzle factory. So true. It absolutely doesn't mean he wants to smash. It means that he wants he wants the puzzle knowledge. This is convoluted. I've gone down a strange path. Maybe he does always mean that they want No, no, it's the puzzle it's thing. It's the puzzle it's thing. It's definitely the puzzle thing. In any case, good emphasising that someone who has to get you super drunk to have sex is not necessarily that interested in consent. No. Bad. Well, on the puzzle note, this has been a puzzle. <laughs> I, I thought we've smashed it today. Uh, you know? But not like the puzzle comments. No. But answering it, answering questions left, right, and center. I'm going to get really close to the microphone now. <laughs> Are you also going to turn 90? No, this is ASMR. We should do an ASMR podcast where we're just like, Oh, no. Just whispering doesn't mean old. Old. I'm just a fancy, a fancy person. You just do an old person voice when you talk loose to the microphone. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> wow, this is good content. I think we're done. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our podcast. Um, please, please send your questions to makeoutwithhim at gmail.com or tweet us at makeoutwithhim. Oh, our theme music is by Orla Cartland. She's amazing. And you can donate to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash make out with him. Because why would you not want more of us? Remember, you can also pay for our trip to Disneyland. 
don't do it. I don't think anyone's gonna. <laughs> I know you want to do, but just but think stop. about that. Back away. Don't send us a thousand. I mean, I mean, imagine if someone did now, I would feel so guilty. Yeah. They're not going to. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.